So this morning, you may be seated. Uh, my name is Suzanne Vogel. I want to welcome all of you who are in the room and joining us online. This is our last Sunday in our series called How to Know Where to Go, where we've been talking about how do you discern where God is leading. And we've talked about the importance of staying humble and beginning with a listening posture that's willing to be led. And then we've stressed the central importance of listening to a number of voices. First and foremost, the voice of God through God's word, listening to the voice of your own life, wise counsel, and then finally this morning, we're going to talk about listening to circumstances. I've invited newly ordained elder Deb Perry to read to us from three passages in 2 Corinthians. Now, just to set a little context, in this letter, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, explaining why he didn't make a visit he had planned to make. So, Deb, would you read for us? Good morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I planned to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back from Macedonia to you and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned to do this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make plans in a worldly manner so that the same, in the same breath I say yes, yes, or no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 6. For when we came to Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Deb. Friends, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you for all the ways you have been at work already this morning. From the beauty of the morning to the joy of seeing friends to worship through music and through scripture and through seeing the faithfulness, your faithfulness in leaders we have uh, together selected. And now, Holy Spirit, would you breathe again on your word? Would you soften our hearts? Would you give us ears to hear and make us mindful of the ways that you invite us to look more and more like you as we encounter more and more of you? We love you, God be at work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is our last week, and I think that for many of us, practically, when we try to discern where God is leading, we often rely pretty heavily on circumstances. I was offered a new job. Surely that means God opened a door. I got into that school. Maybe that means that God's 
inviting me to go that direction. That person asked me out, surely I'm supposed to marry them, right? Some of you remember that story from the beginning of our series. But there's no question that God sometimes opens doors. In fact, if he's inviting us somewhere, he will make a way. But by themselves, circumstances are also the most unreliable indicator of where God is leading. There's a reason we saved it for last, because I think it is the least uh, reliable indicator of what God is doing. And so to unpack that a little bit, I want to look at these passages that Deb so graciously read for us this morning uh, in the letter to the book of Corinth. Now, let me start with just a little bit of context, okay? Paul initially, it sounds like, had a plan, right? We heard Deb talk about that, to visit the church in Corinth on his way to Macedonia and on his way back. But then there's some conflict that arises in the church, and Paul is concerned about them, and it appears that he decides to change his mind and write them a hard letter to confront them instead of going the first time. Now, we don't know exactly what happened. That's one of the things that can be challenging, around, particularly about reading Paul's letters, because we're only getting like one side of an ongoing conversation that's happening. But what we do hear, I think, from today's passage is that the Corinthians don't understand why Paul didn't come. In fact, they accuse him of being fickle, or making impulsive decisions, right? Did you catch that when Deb was reading? Which brings me, I think, to the first challenge of relying only on circumstances. See, circumstances can be misunderstood pretty easily. They understood Paul's set of circumstances to look like he was being, well, not very Christ-like, Paul, on the other hand, looks at the same set of facts and makes a different decision, feeling led by God to write a letter instead of showing up. Now, we tend to view this from hindsight, right? We can look back and say, well, of course Paul was right, but in the moment, I don't know that it was clear. Paul made the best decision he could. The Corinthians said, whoa, 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 that looks very different to us. Does that make sense? And so when we look at a set of circumstances, we have to recognize in our humanity, it can be difficult to know what those circumstances are pointing to. Was that, God opened, was that door opened by God, or did I kick it down? Or did somebody else open it? Or is it a trap even, right? Circumstances by themselves can be tricky. Now, one of my favorite pictures of this uh, happened with our daughter Jessica. Some of you have maybe heard this story, but it's just such a great picture of this. About, oh, I don't know, nine years ago, we decided we really needed to buy a car. I had just said yes to coming to uh, Des Moines for this role. We were still living in Pella, and so we decided it was probably time to get a new vehicle, but we were kind of nervous about that. I was nervous about that. We talked about it. We'd sorted it out. So we went to the dealership. We found a car. And I just don't make big decisions like this super well, particularly when they involve a lot of money. And so we had kind of looked at everything and we decided to go have lunch before we made the decision. So as we're driving, I'm praying, God, would you just open the door? Would you send a sign? Would you just give me a sense of peace? 
Well, we went to the mall, and we went to one of those, you know, little Chinese places that are in the mall food court, right? And so we are eating our lunch, and I'm, you know, just churning. And uh, I open my fortune cookie. And my fortune cookie says, you have made a wise decision. And I was like, yes, God has spoken. In fact, I read it out loud. And my daughter looks at me and says, mom, they're talking about your decision to eat at the restaurant. <laughs> right? Was that God? Was that Panda Express? I don't know, right? And if that's the only indicator that you're going to use to make the decision, well, that's pretty unreliable. It's, mis it's, it's not the best decision-making tool, right? Okay, so that brings me to the next point. How many of you noticed, as Deb was reading, that second passage from the second chapter, that Paul talks about God opened a door for me to go to Troas, but I still had no peace of mind. And so he heads to Macedonia instead. Isn't that interesting? God opened the door, but Paul still doesn't have a sense of internal peace. He's listening to his own life and what God is doing in him, and he decides not to proceed. Which leads me to my second point. Just because the door is open does not mean you should go through it. Can I get an amen in the house? Yeah. So just because that person asked you out does not mean you should say yes. Now, we on some level sort of know this, and yet I think at times when we want to go through the door, then we attribute it to God. I think it's interesting. I think about an Old Testament example of this. How many of you, if you've been in uh, church a long time, you will maybe recall this. For those of you who have not, there was a, a man named David who had been told by God he was going to be the king. Only the actual king, King Saul, is chasing him through the wilderness. And twice, Paul, uh, David is hiding in a cave, and King Saul ends up in the cave in a very vulnerable position. I will not say more than that. You can read your Old Testament and hear, read the story, right? But so David has a wide open door to kill Saul. And what does David do? He says, nope, I am not going through that door. God will have to do that. I am not doing that, right? The door is wide open, but David does not walk through it. And I think that's really important because I think oftentimes we want to assume that because a door is open, once again, that God has to be opening it up. And the reality is, is that it, that's not always the case. If there's not other confirmation, that's a pretty dangerous assumption to make. And that brings me to my third point about circumstances. See, I think in our humanity, we tend to heavily weight positive circumstances, and we read those as confirmation that we've heard from God. And then we tend to weigh negative circumstances or painful circumstances as a sign that we did not hear from God, right? Now, 
we probably wouldn't say that, right? But when things start getting difficult in our marriage, then we start to wonder, well, is God maybe calling me out? Or if things get difficult in our circumstances, maybe that's God saying we should leave. Well, maybe, but let's remember the final passage that Deb read. Remember she says, or Paul says, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. See, Paul doesn't assume it, that because it's difficult in Macedonia, he's not supposed to be there. Paul understands that the path of God sometimes leads us to painful places, and we are called to be there. And if you don't believe me, think about the crucifixion. See, just because God's inviting us there doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, God oftentimes leads us into places not for our happiness, but to actually shape us and to disciple us. And so what Paul recognizes as he writes this letter is that God's answer to Paul's anxiety and the difficult circumstances isn't rescue. It's comfort. It's comfort. So needless to say, if we are trying to figure out where God is leading us, listening only to circumstances can be really unreliable. So I want to offer an analogy, a visual analogy. Some of you love visual analogies. I am not normally a good visual analogy person, but I'm going to try today. So let's imagine for a second. Woo, there we go. Let's see if I can do this that somebody asked me to get from Ames, from here to Ames, on a unicycle, okay? Now, theoretically, is this possible? Yes, I've watched videos of people riding these things off-road. I have seen somebody juggle running chainsaws while on one of these. Practically speaking, this sh should terrify you. The fact that I am on this, I can watch you all. <laughs> It's so great. This is the same. When we are running, we're walking the road of life. If all you are relying on to know where God is going is one wheel on a unicycle, you ought to be terrified. This is not a reliable way to know what God is doing by itself, right? Now, a much better plan would be to look for confirmation, right? To know, to have two wheels going in the same direction. Um, you might already imagine what's coming, right? See, see, I will ride this because two wheels going the same direction, right? Now, now we've got more freedom and more confidence. You aren't as scared right now. I mean, you're still a little scared. My husband, my poor husband over here, <laughs> right? Because now with two wheels, particularly if one of those wheels is God's word and God's voice. Now, I've got a lot more confidence. This is a lot more fun. I can go a lot further, right? Make sense? Okay, so if I've got two of these listening, well, then I'm a lot more confident, and I can follow God's voice. But let's imagine that it's windy outside, or I have to take multiple people along. 
well then I probably actually need not two wheels, but three, right? Now I need to be waiting for God to give confirmation with God's word and maybe circumstances or maybe the counsel of others or maybe my own life and my sense of peace with that, right? Make sense? See, that, that'll, that's way more sturdy, isn't it? And you take a barrel, it'll bear a lot more weight as we ride. But you know what would be even better if you got to take lots of people? How many wheels? Four. Four. You know what would be even better than that motorcycle or that, that puppy? <laughs> would be, well, not a motorcycle. Would be a car with four wheels and an engine of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the best. Now, do we always get the luxury of time enough to have all four wheels aligned and going in the same direction? No, not always. Not always, which is why we keep learning and growing and knowing the heart of God so that we can, if we need to, take off on two wheels. But one wheel by itself is pretty, well, that's pretty iffy. And here's the thing. I think my hope is that as we've talked together over the last several weeks, you have been both encouraged and also created a little caution. Because I think in our culture, we try so hard to go so fast, and we grab that unicycle, and we think we can ride it. And God says, slow down. Slow down and let me lead you. One of the passages that sticks out for me most is a warning, actually, that comes from God in Isaiah 50. It's at the end of the chapter. God says, Who among you fears the Lord and listens to his servant? Who among you walks in darkness and has no light? Let that one trust in the name of the Lord. Let them lean on their God. But be careful, all you who kindle your own fire and light your own torch. This is what you will get from my hand. You will lie down in a place of torment. It's a pretty stark image, and yet I think so often some of the misery we experience comes from our own hand trying to solve our own issues instead of waiting patiently for God to lead and guide. Which is why I also want to set that against Isaiah 30. Hear the promise that sits next to the warning. Therefore God is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is just, and all who wait patiently for him are heard. For the people who live in Zion in Jerusalem will not weep. He will show favor to you at the sound of your cry, and he will answer you. And then, I'm going to skip just a verse or two. Your eyes will see your teacher, and you will hear a voice from behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. 
Friends, as we seek God together and individually, but I want to talk about for together, my expectation and hope is that God will move in a way that all four of the wheels will be aligned, and together we'll have a sense of where God is leading us based on God's heart and God's word, based on who we are together uniquely, based on the wisdom and the counsel of our voices together, and then based on our circumstances as they present themselves. But we started this series holding two truths in tension. Yes, recognizing and responding to the leadership of God can be complicated and challenging sometimes. But the last word I want you to hear this morning, the word that gives us hope and confidence and grace, is that God is also active, present, and eager to lead us. Friends, let's pray. God, I thank you that you don't leave us in the dark trying to ride unicycles to Ames. But instead, you invite us to trust your heart, to trust that you are for us. And I pray that more and more and more we would be a people who are willing to seek you, to humble ourselves, to cry out for help rather than trying to make our own way. For God, we want individually and as a collective group of people your will. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.